Are you ready? Are you ready for September? 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 Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Welcome to the next installment of the School of September series, brought to you by the Western Huntsman Podcast, in conjunction and partnership with Phelps Game Calls and Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. Elk Hunting 201. is in session. Hey, welcome to the next installment of the Western Huntsman podcast series, The School of September. Man, I got a great conversation for you today with a guy named Joe Gilia with Elk Bros, and they do the Blue Collar Elk Academy and Blue Collar Elk Podcast. Uh, it's a it's a great program. The whole thing is awesome, and I'm going to get into that in just a minute. So, um, guys, Coming at you from the Broken Tie Studio in Hayden, Idaho. Uh, super excited to be here with you. Thank you guys for tuning in. The School of September series is uh, is slowly but surely winding down. It's uh, we're uh, let's see what day is it? If I can quit hitting my mic stand here. Um, yeah, we're August 19th. So anyway, yeah, the, the season is right around the corner. Uh, it's I'm just like I don't know how I'm going to do this either. Like I, I'm about I, I'm about to take off, you know, in a couple weeks for for September elk hunting. And uh, I have a few episodes kind of in the in the, you know, lineup here to be released while I'm out of town. I'm just not totally sure how I'm going to do it, because obviously where I hunt, there's just no service. There's no Internet. There's no nothing. So I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to totally figure it out. But anyway, that's kind of where we're at with that. Uh, guys, just a quick announcement on the whole um, the Youth Hunter essay contest. I wanted to bring that back up. By the way, we have added a couple of other prizes into the Youth Hunter giveaways. Uh, one of them being with Joe Gillia. Uh, they have, if you go to elkbros.com, there is a uh, b- basically an academy, the Blue Collar Elk Academy that you could sign up for. Uh, I'm trying to log in here. It's not, there we go. It's like 50 or 60 bucks, and it's got so much information, it's not even funny. It's crazy how much content is in this academy, in, in the base camp uh, for Blue Collar Elk Academy. And it, what, what's super cool is Joe agreed to add uh, basically a, a free uh, membership to the Blue Collar Elk Academy to add to all the contest prizes for our youth hunters. So, guys, if you've got a youth hunter out there or you know of some youth hunters – that uh, could benefit from this. It's it, these prizes for for the essay contest. It, the, if if I'd have had that at at ten or twelve or fifteen or seventeen years old, it, it would have been amazing. It would have been a game changer for me. So just so you have the details, I announced it uh, all in the beginning of the Randy Newberg episode last week. But uh, just in case you you didn't hear that, the the contest is as follows. 
The the ages for youth hunters uh, for this contest they need to be either ten or, or somewhere between ten and seventeen years old, and they are to write an essay talking about what kind of hunter they want to be and what kind of example they want to set for the generations of hunters behind them. And the idea is I'd I'd really like to hear their thoughts on on ethics and respecting other hunters and uh, and and following the laws and and just you know what kind of example are they going to be mentors are they going to be leaders in the hunting community are they going to are they going to set the right tone uh, in terms of you know how we portray ourselves as hunters are are, are they going to you know post nasty bloody pictures with cigarettes in their mouths and stuff like that uh, of, of, of dead deer and elk and blah, 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 the, the kind that just really fuel the fire to these anti-hunting movement type kind of people? Or are they going to do more of like a tasteful kind of picture or, and, and portrayal of hunters? Are we gonna, how are we going to portray ourselves? You know, all that kind of stuff can be in the essay. There's really no length limit. I'm more interested in quality uh, and the message than I am in the, you know, length or, or quantity of the essay. I, you know, for me, I don't, I don't want to read a hundred, you know, 3000 word essays anyway. So just, just keep that in mind that it doesn't have to be some big lengthy essay. It just needs to be a good message. Um, what kind of hunter do you want to be and what kind of, uh, leader or example do you want to set for the generations of hunters that are behind you? That's the essay. That's the essay. Grammar, in terms of grammar, guys, I, I'm not. A, I'm, this is not a, a college essay. I'm not looking for APA format written with perfect references and blah blah blah. You could get as crazy as you want with that, but I'm not a grammar teacher. Now, I, it does need to be like you know, I have to be able to decipher what what the heck you're reading, and so use some grammar, but um, don't worry about it that much. Uh, plus, we're this is not a competition. We've got 10-year-olds up to 17-year-olds writing in. 17-year-olds are going to have a lot more experience writing essays than a 10-year-old. So don't sweat that part. Uh, I, I get it. But this is an important topic, and they are. Uh, they're, they're, and this is all due on September 1, September 1, 2020. So like two and a half weeks from now, um, as of the release of this episode, that's when the, these essays are due. So far, I only have one entry. So. Guess what the prizes are? Guess what the prizes are? Okay, scholarship to the Elk Collective. That's a one-year membership to the Elk Collective, normally $120. Okay, there's going to be another prize of uh, another winner is going to get uh, a one-on-one online elk calling lesson from Michael Batiste himself of the Elk Calling Academy. Usually that's uh, that you know each lesson is like thirty bucks and you got to sign up for for two or three of them I think I, actually I could be wrong on that I'll, I'll I'll ask Michael on that but anyway it's it's a great um, very personalized Michael will sit down with you you'll have your your bugle tube you guys are log in together on Zoom and he will talk about the basic fundamentals and go through making different noises get you up to speed you guys would be like you'd be like the best caller in, in school man it'd be a great prize I'd, I'd, I wish I would have had somebody do that when I was that age and then there's another prize the one that I talked about already the blue collar elk academy this thing has so much information and like I said it's usually like 50 60 bucks 
And so these are these are great prizes. And the, the Blue Collar Elk Academy has so much information, your head's going to spin. In fact, you don't even have enough time prior to September of this year to even go through that thing. But it gives you a one-year membership. So by next year, if you go through all the content in the Blue Collar Elk Academy, you're going to be miles and miles and miles ahead of your peers in your age group because this information is just not available anywhere else. So those are the three main prizes, right? The, the Blue Collar Elk Academy. One-year membership, the Elk Collective, one-year membership, a free one-on-one lesson with Michael Batiste. Now, the cool part is all these guys, whether it's it's Michael or, or Dirk Durham over at the Elk Collective and, and the gang over there or um, at Joe Gillia here at the Blue Collar Elk Academy, they've all donated this. I was expecting to pay for all this, and they said, no, I don't want to pay for it. This is for the youth. You uh, just just let me know who's who the winner is, and we'll get them the membership. It's so awesome. The hunting community is so freaking awesome. I love it. Thank you guys for that. So also, I'm not going to announce what the other prizes are, but there is some gear giveaways in there, and I'm going to keep that a secret because I'm going to throw them in with these scholarship opportunities at these uh, these these online training centers. So, um, anyways, you guys will look forward to that uh, hopefully and get those entries into me. They're due on September 1st, 10 to 17 years old. Write an essay and uh, send it in to me at jim at thewesternhuntsman.com. Don't care about length. Uh, not super concerned about grammar. Uh, send it over and tell me what kind of hunter you want to be and what kind of example you want to set for generations of hunters behind you. So with that said, guys, today's episode for the School of September. I think this is the sixth installment of the School of September as we're winding down ever so close to September is with Joe Gillia. Joe Gillia is a lifelong coach and teacher out of New Mexico and uh, is a lifelong hunter. He's a guide. He has uh, he has forgotten more about elk hunting than I'll ever know. Uh, the guy is an absolute monster in the woods, uh, and he, he knows so many different things about elk hunting, and, and he, he has a really great perspective of elk hunting that you guys are really going to benefit from. We talk about all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and Joe is just one of those guys that, uh, you know, I, I, you just want to know him. You just want to know him. You want to be, you want to be a friend. He, you want him to be your uncle. You want him to be your, you, you know, whatever. He, he's a great guy. He's got a teacher's heart. He's, he's really fired up about elk hunting and, and their, and their platform, the elkbros.com. It's a cool story. And, uh, there's just a lot to this and you guys, you guys are going to love it. I, I really like Joe. I'm going to get him back on the show at some point. Uh, and they also have a really good podcast with tons of, of, of great information, and that is called the Blue Collar um, Elk Elk Podcast, Elk Hunting Podcast, I think. Actually, let me let me check that. I don't I don't actually know. Uh, the blue the Blue Collar Elk Hunting uh, Podcast is is one I've been listening to for um, I don't know uh, only a few weeks or so. And I've already got a lot of great information out of it. So, so Joe's just a great guy. Uh, they've got the Venezuelan mafia on their show. Uh, he's got his his hunting partner Chaz, and uh, they're they're just this. It's just somebody you guys should know about. Um, Blue collar podcast, Blue collar elk hunting podcast. So, check that out. Uh, guys, without further ado, let's get into it. Don't forget to submit those entries, guys. Get them to me. Uh, kids, 10 to 17 years old. I know, if you're 17, you're not a kid, whatever. Uh, but send me those essays. Uh, let's pick out some winners and happy hunting this season, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. School of September 4, August. Uh, there's probably going to be one more of these. And let's get going with Joe Juliet from ElkBros.com. Here we go. 
All right, guys, I'm on the line with Joe Gillia. Did I say that right? Gillia. Nope, Gillia. Gillia. I said, yep. okay, I corrected before you were able to correct me there. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, those Italians are always screwing with you. Don't worry about it. I, you Italians, I tell you what, yeah, always these difficult names. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> great food. <laughs> it is great food. I, I would be, uh, yeah, I could live off of, off of Italian food. So uh, Joe is, uh, is kind of the, the owner, founder, and, and the coach over at Elk Bros, elkbros.com, yeah. which uh, offers the Blue Collar uh, podcast, Elk Hunting podcast, right? And mm-hmm. the, the other aspect to, I'm just pulling the website up here, to the Elk Bros website is it is a, a complete and very thorough online elk hunting uh, program that kind of walks you through every aspect of of the elk hunting um, the, the elk hunting thing we do, man. This uh, the, this passion that we all love. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we call it the Blue Collar Elk Academy, and uh, actually that is what started this whole venture it was it was the idea the dream to be able to 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 do that because elk bros is basically we're in our infancy man you know uh it's going to be gosh man it's a little over a year uh it's actually going to be two years this september we're in elk camp and and guys that i hunt with that have been clients of mine over these uh years number of years have become super close friends and we're out in the woods and, and I've never been a, just a uh, point and shoot guy. I'm a retired coach, teacher, 34 year coach, 30 year teacher. And it's just what I do and sharing the passion of whatever I'm doing. And elk hunting is a huge part of my life and what I do. And when I'm out there, I'm always, you know, I'm always trying to teach these guys about the, the, the moment, the memory, the hunt and, and trying to, get them to not just go through the motions and look for an animal and harvest an animal. I really want them to understand the moment. I want them to take it all in. That's why we do this. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm always teaching them. And I had these guys that have been with me and we get back to camp. And if you've listened to our podcast, you hear about the Venezuela mafia. And yeah, that's, um, yeah. You've heard them, right? Oh, yeah, I've heard the Venezuela ma- Mafia. I love it. Yeah. So that's Manano Graterón and, uh, and and Luis Gonzalez are, yeah. are, are the two guys that <laughs> are just incredible, incredible people. I mean, salt of the earth per people mm-hmm. and just exceptional human beings. Unbeknownst, un- unlike the rest of us that are in this group, <laughs> these guys are good guys. And, you know, they're, uh, they're talking to me one day and, and actually at separate times. And Manano's like, Joe, why, you know, he said, you don't, you don't guide. He says, you teach, you know, you coach. He says, you know, all this information that you know, you should be sharing it. And what I didn't realize is he knew that I had this little heart issue a year before. And, and I think Manano thought I was going to die. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he was like, dude, you better share this stuff before you die because we could use it. Right. <laughs> and uh, so we got talking about it. And, and then Luis was like, you know, bro, what is it? Is it money? Is it time? What do you need to, to share this? And, you know, I thought about it and they just really stayed on me. And it was February after that first hunt that, you know, uh, I had been going through stuff and thinking about it. And 
when I taught school, I taught video production, graphic design, web design. Um, oh, I didn't know so that. That makes it broadcast. pretty that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So the skill set was all in my wheelhouse, man. I mean, yeah. what you see when you look at Blue Collar Elk Academy, that's my skill set. So there is, I don't have to go outside to hire to do mm-hmm. any of that. I, you know, I use all that myself. So I, I bought the domain domain name in February. I called the guys up and I was like, hey, it's happening. And and I named it Elk Bros. And I named it Elk Bros. And, and I always like to explain that because I it's not a, a boys society uh far from that but because my daughters i have two daughters and one of my daughters is an incredible huntress and uh incredible shot so it wasn't to exclude anybody but what it was was to honor this relationship that i've had with my brother-in-law chav leroy chavis who's been my hunting partner with me this will be our 39th season and um the guys that have shared elk camp with me over the years. And the name was just to honor that, you know, those people that I've had that have been, I mean, you know, man, the whole thing is about the camaraderie, you know, that, that we have and, and the moments and the times and the things that you share and what you get to know about people. Cause I tell you what, you, (laughs) you want to get to know somebody's strengths, weaknesses, their shortcomings, their pains, elk hunt with them for seven days and yeah it's amazing sure you you kind of when you're when you're hunting with somebody uh, especially if you're like hunting the fir- for the first time with somebody you learn fast there because oh, yeah. you see you see these emotional highs and emotional lows and, and you're just all over the spectrum with with uh, somebody's personality you know and and uh, you can tell a lot about a person for sure i think I think that and serving in the military with somebody is is where you can really quickly learn and identify kind of the character and nature of another uh, another person for sure. So that's interesting because I was going to ask you about where you ca- came up with the name Elk Bros. Yeah, that was it, man. And, you know, if you look at Elk Bros, you'll see our logo. You'll see a, a, a big orangutan looking guy and a little mm-hmm. smaller guy there. And the, the big guy's me and the smaller guy's Chav. Chav is uh, 10 years my senior. and um, uh, he is a, actually a, a hall of fame cross country runner from Eastern New Mexico. And, you know, I think he's 140 pounds soaking wet and oh, geez, I'm just wow. really guy. so <laughs> yeah, so it's been a, it's been a great partnership over the years. And in fact, uh, we just uh, started, we just went out with a line of camouflage, our own Elk Bros camo pattern. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I was it, really excited you got, about it. You got it. some I could see right there. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure I have some. Here. Let's see here. You guys are just kind of getting into dipping your toes into a little bit of everything, huh? Oh yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah you got so. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so this yeah. is, and you can see it on the that's that's the back of the neck. You can see the logo on the back of the neck there. Is that and, like a, what, what kind of material is that? So this is a a dry fit material. Oh, gotcha. It's like a, um, it's a wicking. It's a polyester spandex that's supposed to be moisture wicking. It's made, the guy that makes it makes uniforms for, uh, again, sports related. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, you guys are all makes, coaches. Makes, yeah, we're all coaches and, and makes uniforms for uh, kids that play out in 100 degree <clears throat> heat in Texas. So 
we went with that. It's all sublimated. It'll never fade. And you know what's so incredible about that line is, is I've always talked about camo over the years and always been very critical about it and, and had my own ideas. And so this is something that I, that's been in the making that I'm putting my money or where my mouth is and, and starting this and, and this shirt that it's this long sleeve shirt that, uh, for, you know, most places when you go, when you talk about elk bros, um, you and I were talking ahead of time and, and I told you that, you know, our industry has gotten this big gear thing, right? It's all about, you got to have the latest and greatest. And, and, you know, I was a school teacher, high school coach. I have never hunted outside of New Mexico because, I just really, um, between time of everything that I was doing coaching and having to get up in the mountains and the cost of raising a family, I had to put my priorities in other places. And sure. I'm a guy that I still hunt in tennis shoes. I hunt in multiple kinds of different camo, whatever I can find on sale. I use, use the same bow for the last 15 years. I shoot instinctively, no pins, so I don't have to worry about any of that. So the whole idea of elk bros and when we talk about our grinders because all of us are grinders man we're out there doing that nine to five eight to five and and you know we work hard for our money and i what i wanted to tell people is you can do this and i have nothing against gear it's all good i mean if it makes you comfortable and something you enjoy if it's your christmas deal that's way cool but but it should never keep you out of the elk woods because That, that's a that's a great topic, and, and this has kind of been one of the themes of the School of September, is mm-hmm. uh, that that we've been doing is is talking about what's between your ears versus what you're wearing. What what what? The Absolutely. And, and and we all love the gear. We all love the gear, and I, this is not something that's negative against gear in any way. Because right. I've got I've got some great gear, but I've also got some gear that would make people's heads spin because it's so outdated and so old and so worn worn out. But we have, we have different mindsets. Everybody has different mindsets. A lot of people prioritize the gear, but I, and I think it was Chris Rowe that, that I was talking to. And, and I think you and I are along the same lines is if it comes down to you buying a tag versus buying a new set of boots, get that tag, man. Get that. Go to Walmart. Oh, and get, get a get a pair of hiking boots and 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 get that tag because that what's between your ears is is really what's going to make a difference. And that that is really what I like about these training caps camps at the the Blue Collar Elk Academy. Um, right. And and this is all at elkbros.com, which we'll put we'll put in the show notes and all that. And you just launched this right the yeah. the actual academy. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, it just uh, it's only ten days old. And again, you know, when we did all this, when I started doing all this, when these guys got me into this, it it was about, I've gone from coaching kids to coaching, well, we're still kids. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's just a little bit different focus group. And, you know, there's, there's so many things to learn. And I, I wanted people to understand just what you said is that you can use this up here. You can use these eyes, you can use this nose, you can use these ears, and those are probably the most most valuable tools that you're going to have out there. And you combine that with some knowledge inside this head, and there is nothing that you're not able to do out there. And yeah, yeah, I truly believe. I tell I tell people this, and and I I told these guys when I talk about the Venezuela mafia and these guys, you know, I I told these guys when I first met them, is that. When I put my hand on my bow and I start to walk out of camp, 
I truly believe every time I go out of camp that I can take an elk. I truly believe that. Yeah, and I that's heard a you confidence talking about that. On, yeah. And, and I, I, want, I want people to have that confidence level. Does that mean I'm going to kill an elk every time? No, but I guarantee you, I feel like I got the tool set and I can make it happen every time. Exactly, exactly. And, and I, I love that mentality. And so when we're talking uh, along this information, you know, we're, I'm, I'm going to come back to the, the academy here, the Blue Collar Elk Academy and these spike camps uh, or base camp uh, and, yeah. and summit camp. And whoops, I'm trying to click on it here. Uh, but anyway, the point, the point is when I, I, I just mentioned, you know, instead of buying such and such gear, get a tag, but also the tags, if, especially if you're, if you're hunting in your resident state, the tags are going to be cheap. If you're, if you're, if it comes down to learning about elk and elk behavior right. and how to hunt elk, how to call elk, how to pack elk out, how to locate elk, how to, how to find elk, all this stuff, these these resources that we've been covering through the series of school of September are where you need to invest your money. And, and I, this one's, this one's really cheap for a lot of content. Like th this well, is insane. <laughs> so w when the guys were on me about doing this, uh, uh, like I said, I had a life event that happened. I, t I told you about it one time that has for the last nine months, my focus has been changed on my, on my brother-in-law and him b battling cancer. So I was building, this at the same time, which has been a dream. The camo was a dream. Uh, this uh, doing this is a dream. And you know, when uh, I built this, I built it from a coaching aspect. And I and I tried to ask, and people always ask me, Jim. They're like, so Joe, what makes you so successful out there? Well, of course, there's a skill set and there's a knowledge base, right? That that we have, right? Mm -hmm. But one of the things that if I was to determine out of that is that here's what I believed in. I believe that, that so many people, they do it all the time, man, campers, bikers, hunters that do everything wrong. I mean, they could be wearing no camo. They could smell like cigarettes. They could be going up mm -hmm. the wrong trail, totally backwards, not know, even be lost and have an encounter with an elk. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it happens all the time, right? But the problem is, is when they have that encounter, when a hunter, even by accident, that's been hunting and all of a sudden they have that bull in front of them, they don't know what to do with the situation because they've never been there. They don't understand that. And for me as a coach, when, when I coach kids in football, when I coach them in basketball, in track and field, what we always want to do is, is, is you think about the winningest teams. Why do they win so much? It, and it always comes down. You hear people say it all the time. They know how to finish, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's a huge part of it. And why do they know how to finish? Is because they know what it looks like. They know what success. They know what it at the end looks like. The you know those football teams. And I and I I've been saying this all the time. You know, you take a look at the most winning football teams that in the last minute and a half, two minutes, they can get down the field in two minutes after they've played how many hours and they couldn't get a field goal, but in the last two minutes, I know they yeah. can get down the field and they can kick a winning field goal. It's because they have practiced that. They know what it looks like to be there at that point. You know, a basketball team with a, with a last second shot at 2.2 seconds, they have practiced that. They know what it looks like. So when they get there, they, they know how to finish. You know, I have pole vaulters that we work what it feels like to go over a bar so that once they get to that point, 
they haven't even got there yet to that point. But when they do, they're going to know what to do with it when they get there, right? Ah, that's a great so, point. So the whole idea when I built this academy is I see so many people that they get all this knowledge because when you start into the elk hunting realm, man, I it's so intimidating because there's all of this information like, okay, how am I going to hunt? Uh, am I going to backpack? Am I going to have base camp? Am I going to be in my truck? Uh, do I do this bow? What kind of broadhead? I mean, there's just tons of information down here at the bottom and we haven't even gotten into hunting the elk yet yeah right? just yeah it's all so, of this that, that's so interesting you say like i just i just had this guy that i just met him uh dude just moves from um alabama or so, somewhere down uh-huh. south uh up to right. up to idaho right up to north idaho right. and and he's going on his first elk hunt and and he's going hey jim how, so how do you break down an elk how do you quarter an elk out and all this stuff and i'm like dude Right. You are you are focusing on the wrong thing. Let you, right. you, you've never hunted an elk. The last thing you need to concern yourself with right now is how to quarter an elk out. I tell you what, you get an elk down and give me a call. Come help you quarter it out. But in the meantime, <laughs> you need to work on how to find I, elk, how to hunt elk, how to how to get an yeah, elk in front of you. I gotta love the positive thinking. I, I do I gotta too. Love the yeah. positive thinking. Oh, I I love it. Uh, the guy the guy's fired up. He's super excited. He's a he's a big time whitetail uh, whitetail hunter. He's uh, he's killed some big bucks, uh, but but these elk are a lot different, you know. And so uh, super nice oh, guy. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. it's it's like you said. I I remember five or six years ago. Uh, when I, when I got my first diaphragm read and, and I went out and into the elk woods, I'm going to, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to try this whole elk calling thing. Uh, actually, this was, right, actually, right. I'm getting old man, eight or nine years ago, I guess now. I don't know if you guys know this yet, but hunting season is knocking on our door. In fact, some states it's already even open. I'm, I'm seeing pictures on social media. It's coming guys. Have you gotten your scree gear? Scree is extreme mountain gear that is designed for rugged western hunting like we talk about on this show all the time. Complete layering system for all terrain and all conditions. Gear designed to adapt to the weather. Rugged gear backed by a lifetime warranty. The VIP sizing and exchange program is amazing. If you get the wrong size in the mail or something's not right, you send it back for free. They they send you the mailing slip for it and take care of everything. Guys, this is great gear. I've been running Scree for a long time now and I really, really like it. It's a great company story. Uh, The owner is real big on having high-performance technical hunting apparel at a responsible price, and that's what you're going to get with Scree. You know how it goes. You can go drop a small fortune on on some of this gear out there, right? And we all love to have it. I love having this gear. But with Scree, you're going to get the high-performance gear. You're going to get everything that you would expect on a high-performance kind of company like this uh, with with the gear you're going to get, but you're not going to break the bank. You don't need to sell your kids. You don't need to take out a second mortgage just get you some scree gear and at checkout go ahead and use the promo code the western huntsman for 15 percent off and free shipping that's a smoking deal and huntsman is spelled h-u-n-t-s-m-a-n a is in apple the western huntsman at checkout with scree gear you should check out the elk bundle they have it's pretty spectacular hope you guys check it out i appreciate you supporting our sponsors and our other sponsor is Phelps Game Calls. Guys, the, the premier call company. Everybody knows Phelps. We all love Phelps. If you're not using Phelps Game Calls, you're not doing it right. 
<laughs> okay. No, I'm serious, guys. Phelps is, is a company that was born out of this uh, great American success story that started something small and it turned into this big company that everybody knows now. I use Phelps for, for my elk calls. I use Phelps for, for predator calls. They've got some new deer calls coming out. It's going to be great. So I use the AMP series for the elk. You guys know September's on its way. Or, or it could possibly be here by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? But September's on its way. My favorite time of year. Better than Christmas. Better than anything. September, man. Get your amp calls. I really like the Maverick and the Black Amp. Those two are screaming reads. And uh, that there's a, a bunch of other reads for different types of, of pallets, if you will, or uh, the way that you use a call, it might change. So you got to try a little bit of everything. And uh, the, the pink call is fantastic. Uh, but uh, personally, I like that black amp, that Maverick read. Uh, those two are kind of my go-tos when it comes to calling in elk, and boy, do they work. Uh, again, check out. Guys, Phelps has given us a, um, a promo code to use. It is Huntsman10, H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N, 10, number 10. So you'll get 10% off at checkout. Go to phelps.com and check it out. It's going to be in the show notes. And lastly, just just as a bonus promo code for you guys that are in the market for a new set of boots, I love the Explorers from Hoffman Boots. They are badass boots. They will get you up the mountain. They will get you down the mountain for several seasons. Check them out. The promo code for Hoffman Boots is HUNTSMAN15. HUNTSMAN is all caps lock. H-U-N-T-S-M-E-N 15. Go ahead and check that out. It'll be in the show notes and uh, get you some new boots and, and let me know what you think. Thanks, guys. Here we go. Let's get back into it. Anyway, I go out and blow on this diaphragm, make a couple of cow mews, and all of a sudden, 100 yards from me, this bowl just about knocks me off of my feet with this big, How nasty cool old bugle. It was the coolest thing in the world. And he comes in out of the brush. I had no idea what to do. I'm like, holy cow. It's, yeah. He's screaming yeah. at me. Oh, now what do I do? He's screaming at me. What do I do? And I just kept blowing So it's the proverbial out. dog chasing the yeah. car, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. What Once do I do? Once you catch it, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. And, <laughs> yes. and that's exactly what my situation was. He he screamed his head off at me and just came busting in like, like a freight train, man. And I had no idea what to do. He comes in and, and I bust him out. He 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 left. <laughs> and so so that's ex- yeah. exactly what I'm talking about in in the way that we do this is is I like to think of it and I explain it to everybody. It's like a pyramid. I mean when you when you talk about learning how to hunt currently right now or any course when you went to high school when you went to college they just yeah. started giving you all this information man down at the bottom all this knowledge stuff working towards hopefully working towards a final point or a goal at the top and. What happens is, is, is I, I, I like to compare it a, a lot to a video game. You know, it has all these different levels. I, you know, you spend all this time going through this little route at, on, the, on level one, and boom, your guy's dead. So you start from the beginning. You try another route, boom, he's dead. And, and you're trying to get to the next level when you don't even know what the next level looks like, mm-hmm. what you're going to have to contend with once you get there. And by the time you do get there, you've done so much crap on the first level that you don't know really how you got there in the first place, right? So the whole idea of what I do with my, it's just a coaching strategy. This is how I coach. This is what I've done for years is I take that pyramid and I invert it. And I start with 
the moment that is most in your control as an elk hunter. And that is that final moment, that minute, those seconds when that elk is in front of you. And that is the one time that you can and is going to determine a lot of times the difference between being, you know, punching a tag and not punching a tag. Mm-hmm. The And so if you understand what to do in that moment, if you understand how to deal with that situation, now you've just, you've really overcome and you know what it is to succeed. You know how to finish. And then from that point, now we come backwards. And now when we talk about the setup, when I start talking about the setup and how you need to bring the animal and where you need to bring in and, and what position you want it and how, what technique you're going to use that you're relating directly to where you're going on the next step because you just came from there. Mm -hmm. So it lines it out. It is a, it is success based learning. It's not failure based like that video game of falling through the hole, falling through the hole until you figure out. And it might take you years to figure out how to get to that level five in order to achieve that goal. Well, that's, that's a lot of time, man. That's yeah. a lot of time in an yeah. elk hunter's life. There's only so many Septembers, man. And, and are there, you? So, and you are you're mainly an archery hunter for elk, correct? Yes, sir. But and, I, and you do, uh, I you do like guiding for for rifle hunters as well. Yeah. So I do my season and which uh, which I hunt, and I've only ever been a bow hunter. I don't even own a rifle. Um, I have a shotgun for hunting. Uh, doves and squirrels. I'm a Southern boy. I'm back from the Carolinas. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I want to talk about this Southern accent I'm picking up on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can take them out, but it's hard to get it out, boy. You can't. Uh... But uh, so I, I, I bow hunt, but I think what really opened me up, opened my eyes up to elk's perspectives and their needs is when I, when I was, became a guide and I've been guiding now for over 25 years and I guide all through from, you know, September all the way through to January, man. And mm-hmm. when you do that, you get to just see this whole, it puts the whole picture together of their needs at certain times of the year, where they're going to be, what they're doing, what their their wants, what their likes and dislikes are. That once I started guiding year round, I think it really opened up my eyes to a lot of aspects about the lives of elk. Hmm. So I'm just trying to get, I'm going to, I'm, I'm kind of backtracking here a little bit, but sure. So you're, you're in New Mexico. How far, how yes, far sir. from Mexico are you? How far from Mexico? Yeah. If you got in a car and drove to the Mexico line, how, how long would it take you? Probably seven hours. Man, oh, okay. Because so I'm, you're, you're North I'm New right Mexico. Colorado. So gotcha. I'm, I'm 45 minutes from Colorado. So where, where I actually guide. Um, I guard, guide for a large ranch in northern New Mexico that, it, it man, it borders Colorado the whole way. So, you know, when you hunt southern Colorado, so much of southern Colorado is the same aspect of everything that we hunt in here in mm-hmm. northern New Mexico. I'm just trying to get a game. I'm, I'm an hour from Canada, so I'm trying to try geographically. I like to, I, I'm a nerd that way. I like to kind of see where you're at, but, uh, and, and you, so you, you hunt uh, New Mexico, you've guided New Mexico. Uh, for right. a long time, I think mm-hmm. you've done like 34 elk over 36 years, something like that. Yeah, uh, and, and yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to give the listeners uh, a little bit of a, you know, who who we're talking to here in case they haven't heard of uh, Joe Gillia with the Elk Bros. And so, yeah, 
Um, and, and the, because I want people to understand, like when, when we're talking about like the, the resources in the, and the elk, uh, resource of the, uh, blue collar elk Academy. Um, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to kind of go through and like, just talk about what's in this course, what's in the Academy. Um, so the cool thing, the cool thing about the Academy is, is that it's basically, it's based on training camps and we're going to have three different training camps when all said and done. The first training camp is our base camp and our base camp is just that. I mean, it is the base knowledge that I don't care if you're a new hunter, if you're a 10 or 15 year hunter, you're going to find nuggets in our base camp that are going to, that are going to help you and, yeah. and get you where you need to be. And so that's beginning and on. And then we go to our spike camp and our spike camp is more of an intermediate type camp that takes some of these basic aspects. Like when I talk about basic calling, like when I start teaching somebody how to chuckle, I'm not really worried about them doing uh, this, this perfect sounding, um, you know, uh, championship call. First of all, I'm not a championship caller. I hunt elk and I've only ever called. I have never called on a stage in my life. I have a lot of respect for those yeah. guys that do that, but I've just, I never have, man. Um, and there's some super callers out there. I think I am a very competent caller. I think uh, I'm, I'm a good caller. But when I teach somebody how to chuckle in the basic part here, I'm not worried about all the nuances. I'm trying to get them so that they can sound um, like an actual elk that does a chuckle. I teach them to I'll do it a little enough, slower. Yeah. Yeah, and and you don't have to worry about adding all of this stuff, man, because just to sound like that bull that's up there, you know, bulls sometimes sound like the worst elk in the woods, right? Yeah. And and there's some things that kind of sell it every now and then. And I try to tell people like early season, one of the best location calls you can do sometimes early season is just a chuckle. There's some bulls that will only respond to a chuckle because it's it's not an aggressive call it's more of a passive call so i teach them that technique and but it's basic and then as we go into our spike camp we take everything that's the basic aspect in in uh, our base camp and we take it up a notch and then we have our summit camp which is our advanced camp that is really more it's going to be advanced extreme techniques Plus, it kind of goes towards those people that guide and outfit a little bit. So it kind of gives them some things to to put in their wheelhouse. So if you're somebody that's been hunting for 20-some years and you don't want to do the base camp and you just want intermediate, well, you can do those at a, at a whole different price point than what the base camp is because the base camp is really – that's everything, man. I There's mean, so much stuff in it. I, I, think, I, I think it'd be – I'd be stupid to to pass up on that base camp, man. Like there, there is so much information. I mean, you talk about responsibility and ethics, understanding elk anatomy and shot placement, uh, shot placement, archery versus rifle. Uh, I love the anatomy breakdown, by the way, that, that thing is, is super, uh, helpful for, uh, you know, well, anybody, if, especially if, go ahead. If you're going to close the deal, if you're going to finish, it you have to know how to do that and one of the things so like when you take a look at our shot placement we have shot recommendations that i recommend as your elk hunting coach there are shots that are devastating and, and lethal shots that i don't recommend to my base campers and the only reason i don't <clears> is because i don't know their proficiency 
I don't mm-hmm. know how much they know about the anatomy. I don't, you know, there's the, the whole idea of when I, what I teach guys and same way I coached is you want to find possible failure points and eliminate them, whether yeah. it's in equipment, whether it's in your shot placement, whether it's in your calling. Um, if you locate those possible failure points and you get rid of those, you have just put yourself in line to be more successful. And by me telling guys to eliminate a particular shot, our goal in my camp, when my training camp is two holes. If you shoot and get two holes, you have most likely taken out both lungs. I say most likely because there's some ways that you can get two holes without both lungs, but most likely you're both lungs. And I don't care if it's an elephant or a mouse. A good buddy of mine used to say this, Carl Gamage, uh, God bless his soul, passed on us. But Carl used to say in that beautiful voice of his, I don't care what it is, a mouse or an elephant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you put two holes in it, it's going down. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing it does is not only do we want to be responsible and put an animal down as quick as possible, but we want to ensure that we recover it. And by putting two holes in that animal, I have just now increased my blood trail. And by and, doing and that, for, I have, for clarification, by two holes, you're meaning an uh-huh. entry and an exit wound. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you're not like flinging double arrows at him like Robin Hood or something. No, 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 no. We're, we're talking about, we want a total pass through. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, when, when you talk about my optimum shot placement, uh, you're going, uh, up the crease of that, that leg about three inches behind it, mid body We're we're mid body and, and, and we're taking out both lungs at that point. Mm-hmm. And you got to consider angles. And, and we talk about that in the Academy because I think that's a lot of things people don't consider, you know, if they're, if they're shooting the pocket on an elk and, and it's a hard quartering, you know, away there and they shoot that pocket, there's a chance they're only going to get one lung, man, because yeah. of the angle. So there's, there's considerations and things that we want to eliminate. So that's our goal is to find possible failure points, let people know what those possible failure points are. And eliminate those so that they're going to be more successful. And that's in paying attention to the details. And and that's what some of the things that you were talking about in here. So, you know, when we talk about anatomy, I talk about shot placement. And you're going to see a difference in shot placement from archery to rifle. And that yeah. just comes from the nature of the weapon, you know. So, yeah, um, and I talk. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, and I talk about marginal, th- marginal shots. And I, I think this is something that's not talked about enough because there are, are for me, you and I, you know, I have people ask me all the time, Jim, they go, Joe, you know, how far should I be shooting at an elk? Should it be 20 yards? Should it be 30 yards? Is there a limit to what that shot should be? And I, and, and I tell everybody, look, bro, it is not my place to determine what your effective range is. You have to know that. You have to understand what your comfort zone is, what your effective range is, and then stay within that. And if you don't, now you're creating a marginal situation. Or if you're shooting at an angle, uh, an animal at an angle, and and you're not comfortable with that angle, that is a marginal situation. Yeah, so I, point, I love this section in it. And you, you even you even have imagery to show what, what is a marginal shot. And um, and then I, I really like the words from the wise from Chav. 
right. You know, <laughs> I love it. So I, in, in the Chav and I, our personalities are two different, but we coached together for years uh-huh. and we each reached a different kind of kid. I'm like this, I'm this passionate, emotional, I'm in your face kind of guy, you know, and, <laughs> and Chav is very reserved, very quiet. He's EF Hutton, dude. When he speaks. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better listen, right? <laughs> I love so, it. So yeah. he, he like puts things just in a way that is, is only how Chav can put it. It's like short to the point. And, you know, here I'm rambling on, rambling on, and Chav will say it in 10 words. You know, so. it's, it's so, I, I know. And I love, I love how the picture is there. Like the, the picture of him right before the perspective, it just, yeah. it, it like kind of pulls you in. Okay. I've got, I've got to listen. Um, and, and yeah, so it's just so people know when you're, when you're in the Academy here, you've got, you've got audio where you just, you, you can hit the play button and listen, or you could read the right. text. Uh, and then you have a bunch of videos in there as well. And, uh, and, and we, then you got to go through and, and read uh, Chav's perspective. And there's a bunch of buttons, too. I mean, if there's a button there, there's a lot of interactive content. So if you see a button or you see a box, a lot of flipping boxes that will give you information on the front. Um, when you get to the calling segment, I thought I was being original uh, with this until I heard you interviewing Chris. And I want you to understand something, Jim, is that I hunted for... 30 some years. And I've started doing this whole podcast and getting involved in social media now for, well, about a year and a half. Right. Mm -hmm. So in doing that, I've started listening to, you know, other podcasts, other people looking at how people do this, because I truly believe that if you want to do things well, you go find people that are doing things well and, and then emulate and then build on that. And I was listening to your podcast the other day and, 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 uh, and I think I was listening to another one of Chris and Chris actually years ago had started doing his Chris Rowe website content. Yeah. Row hunting resources. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and he, um, he did basically kind of like an app thing before it's time, you know, with that website where he basically had, from what I understand, he had de- decision based scenarios and, here, I thought I was being original with this because we we have the Elk Bros. When you get to the calling, you start seeing the Elk Bros. decision tree. And it's the same idea, man, the same concept where I actually take people kind of on my shoulder on a hunt. And I give them the scenario. And then I tell them, this, and I say, okay, so here's the possible decisions. And then I let them make a decision. And whenever they make one, it doesn't go, eh, you're wrong. It says, okay, this is why you should think about this. So it becomes educational. And then they get to make another decision and see how and why I would take it a certain way. And so it just keeps going throughout on pretty much an actual hunt. And then once they get to the end, generally, you know, we'll either give them the information on there or there'll be some video from from a hunt there that kind of shows the situation or mm-hmm. kind of reinforces that and it's just that kind of interactive stuff that I think is is super beneficial for people because I had a listener that called me the other day actually I called him he sent me an email and I called him because of his his letter and he was saying Joe I hunt in this area in Oregon that is so thick and he says, you, you say to hunt with your eyes. Well, 
there's no place for a high point for me to use binos. There's no place for me. It's so thick. I'm not I, able to get. I above. know exactly what how that guy feels because that's a lot of how North Idaho is. It's too brushy and thick. There's no spot and stock any of that. So I, I know I know what he's talking about. It's a lot different. But the than, funny, the funny thing about the the thing was it was a perspective because in my mind when I was saying hunt with your eyes, I had. It, it didn't include optics in any way. What it meant is yeah. when you're moving through the woods, you got to be looking for sign. You got to be looking for parts of an animal. You got to be looking for um, things that uh, attract or, or droppings or um, dew trails. Or you use your senses when, when you're actually on the hunt and instead of depending on a bugle. Man, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much more to hunting, man. We we were given this nose, we were given these ears, and if we use them, Jim, my first technique to hunt elk when I knew nothing, I don't have this Italian nose for nothing, bro. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I I knew I understood animals, and I understand how animals like to bed and how they like to find security and what feed areas are and what bedding areas. I got that. So what I started doing was I started walking crosswind from areas that I thought would be holding elk until I would catch their scent. And once I caught their scent, I would then turn and hunt into the wind and find the animals. That was my original technique using my nose, using their technique against them, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So they, it's pretty effective. Yeah, They're pretty stinky, <laughs> if we're being honest. It's, it's <laughs> oh, a, like, it's a good stink because, it, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's what we're looking for. But that, that they actually, uh, more so than any other animal I hunt, you could smell an elk from a long ways away. Oh, absolutely. And, and I would figure... Depending on the situation, I mean, definitely you're going to smell them 400 yards away, but I could actually smell those animals up to a half mile away mm-hmm. and and work into them. And then once you start doing that, if you just, the, the more you get amongst these critters, the more you start to watch and that you start to learn about them and their behaviors and how they act. That's what you were talking about before. That's what you were talking about, the knowledge factor. That's what we're doing with this academy is we're trying to shorten that learning curve by giving them knowledge. There's even buttons that you'll go in there just on on elk behavior, man, as you're going through. Because I, I don't want it just to be just a straight reading phase. We want interactivity. We want uh, people to to have sidebars, you know. Um, and that's what and- I love about these websites, uh, like like the one that you've got here, the, the, the way that the the uh, a student we'll just say student the way the student can go right. through this and it's interactive there's different tools to learn from and right. it's so much better than like the old days where it was just uh i remember i bought this book and it was written in the 80s and and i i want to say it was like elk hunting the west or something like that it's a, and it was this really dry yeah, yeah. dry read and uh uh it, it's just you, you, how much of that information does a person really retain versus when you go get on the a, an interactive web, website like yours where you're, you've got the you've got the audio you've got the video um and and then you've got the you could read the text but you also sure. have the imagery like when i when i'm looking at this this uh your shot placement section right and and you've got you've got your frontal shot angle you've got quartering mm-hmm. to broadside quartering away hard quarter 
all these different, the, the way that the imagery really spells it out, that's what sticks in a person's mind. And so that's why these questions right, absolutely. are expensive. That's what sticks in people's minds. So um, I, I just, I so really as a, like as the a teacher, As a teacher, I learned that, and, and because I'm one of those people, I'm one of those people that learns by doing and seeing, mm -hmm. right? And hearing. Me too. I, I'm not somebody that can just dive into a book. I've gotten better at it over the years because of it, you know, uh, necessities, the mother of all invention, right? If you want something, you'll go wherever you can get it. But sure. I, I was one of those people that I learned better from interactivity and people learn differently. Some people are auditory. Some people are visual. Some people are tactile with their hands on. And, and so I, I bring that to this and, and I don't want this yeah. just to be just a, a, an ad for, for my base camp. What I, what I want to do is I want to help those people out there and understand that, um, that there are, are ways to, to simplify some of these things that, you know, elk hunting in its, in its most simplistic form is, is you and that animal and, and you having to put the work in to get to where you can get within range to take the shot of that animal. Mm -hmm. And it, it takes, so it, you got to do your homework. You got to learn. I think that's one of the things that I learned as an athlete, as a coach, as, as a worker, as a person, all those people that excel are people that put the time in that are willing to learn about their adversary, about the weaknesses, about the strengths, about their shortcomings. If you do that, you are now arming yourself with a knowledge that's going to help you to do that. And, you know, take calling, for example. I think calling can get so complicated or sometimes way oversimplified. I mean, we've, we've gotten it so that we've told people, all right, just just start ridge running and screaming bugles and mm -hmm. a bull's going to bugle back to you and he's going to come running into you and you're going to kill it. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I can remember the first time I wanted somebody to go with me to shoot video of my hunt. So what I did was I, I gave him an actual video of somebody videoing a hunt. Yeah. And so he yeah. came over to my house the next day and he was like, Oh, this is easy. So we set up on the edge of a meadow You call, they come running in, and you kill it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's oh, how it happens, right? Yeah, yeah. It's easy as that. So, yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen that way. I man. don't know. I don't know why less than 10% of elk hunters actually tag out. I, I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And so, and we bring that up in our podcast. We're like, okay, so let me ask you a question. What percentage of guys out there do you think, like during the bow season, what percentage of those guys have a great bow? Uh, you know, 100% yeah. of them have their great bow. What percentage of them have their camouflage? Oh, 100%. How many of those guys out there you think have an elk call? Mm, probably 100%, right? You know, and all of them are, are using all the same equipment, have the same gear, but only 10% of people are killing elk out there. So why is that, man? And And you brought it up is that, They're, they're, they have all the gear, but they're, they're missing something, man. They're missing the knowledge up here and how to apply that gear to the situation mm -hmm. to make it work for them. Right. Okay. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree yeah. more. It's, it's, it's the one element that I, 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 you could, and it's, this is super obvious, but I'm going to say it I, because I'm master of the obvious sometimes anyway. So I might as well uh, maintain my stigma of that, but, um, You could take a guy with a $3,000 bow 
and and another five thousand dollars in other gear and sent them out to the woods and uh, put them up against a guy that's uh, shooting shooting a twenty year old bow and and a flannel shirt but knows elk. Right. I'm going to take the guy in the flannel shirt Absolutely. every day of the week. So and and that's that's the concept of stuff like the blue collar uh, elk academy and, and and these others and and you were saying you don't want to make this a whole ad or whatever but but the the and I'm sounding like a broken record on on school of September but but the point of these is to get a little bit of a different perspective from everybody that I'm talking to and right. also provide the the resource that's going to go a lot more in depth than we can on a podcast because let's face it there's only so much we could do on a podcast and yeah. so much learning that can happen on a podcast and so the the point of these is to get some perspectives. And, right. and get some knowledge, learn something, have a laugh or two, but also have a resource to follow it up. And that's what this, uh, that's what this is, uh, this is going to help us out with, with, uh, with your resource. So, so let's do this then. you got people that are listening for a different perspective. I'm going to give a different perspective for you because it, it's, it's something that I, I hear all the time, uh, different things. So I can give a different perspective in, in, in how to hunt, how to call and, and different, areas like that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I hear about a lot of people that are always trying to get as far back as possible to get away from people because they figure that the elk are less pressured. And so therefore, they're going to be easier to call in. And this guy doesn't do that. Um, because I don't always have that option. Yes, we have wilderness in New Mexico. And yes, you could hike way back into the backcountry and do that. But I've taken 34 elk in the last 36 years, all public land, all uh, from the, the state draw, mm -hmm. and been very successful. And I've been very successful doing that in high-use areas. And I think what happens is that a lot of times... People are fed this picture that you have to go get a pack on your back. You have to hike in six miles to where the aspens are just beautiful and gorgeous and, and, the, and the elk bugles are ringing through the hills. And that's how you're going to be successful. Well, there's a lot of nostalgia and romance in that. And, and, I, and that's, what, absolutely. that's what's fun to watch on YouTube, right? Um, sure, and, absolutely. And so, so there is that aspect of it. But uh, I'm with you. Okay, I, I know where you're going, so... Yeah. So what, what I what I do is I tell people is, look, is people say if 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 elk smell a human being or if they see them on something, boom, they're gone. They're they're the next county over. Well, you know, there might be places in Colorado where animals can head over the next ridge after ridge after ridge and not see another person or another ranch or another farm. There's not many of those in, in our state. Um, there it's everything's bound by something. They're going to come across usage no matter where they are. And I truly believe that there's a difference between high use areas and low use areas. And I think that there are areas that a lot of hunters pass by because it's not where elk are supposed to be. And yeah. it's some of the best hunting that there is in actuality. I'll tell you a true story. True story. Uh, I'm hunting in on, on public land um, and we're, we're in, in our camping area and there was kind of like designated camping where you had to camp, right? So mm -hmm. in the morning when everybody left, it was like friggin' NASCAR, <laughs> all these ATVs and everything going out. <laughs> well, we, where we were camped, were kind of like on the route going to high country, right? 
where the other camp was was kind of down in the low, ugly country. So first thing in the morning, we're coming down this ATV trail. And I kid you not, we're the only ATV going down. And we had, I don't know, 14 ATVs by, say hello and talk and wave. Oh, Everybody's wow. going yeah. up and we're going down, right? Mm -hmm. We were probably hunting probably not three quarters of a mile from the designated camping area and had two bulls down the same morning and should have had a third before 10 o'clock, right? And yeah. we're three quarters of a mile crazy. down in this lower country from a designated camping area. But, you know, but those people that are camping, they're like, well, there can't be any elk around here. We're camping here, right? I know. <laughs> I've had them come right through camp. <laughs> Absolutely. So you know, Absolutely. I, that, the, the concept that you're talking about, I, I've kind of coined a phrase, I don't even know if I've used it on, on the show before, but it's, it's called, I call it the trailhead dementia. And, and everybody thinks <laughs> that they need like this, this official formal trailhead to start from, or a, a very specific, you know, blocked off logging road where they could park. Heck yep. no, man. You if you're on a dirt road and I don't care what rhyme or reason you have. If you could pull over to the side where it, where you know dang well nobody else has ever done that before, get out of yep. that truck, park right there, and hike into those dang woods. That, th those elk are in there. It, it, obviously, there, there's gonna there's there's more factors to that, but just on a basic uh, a very basic uh, idea, I guess. Uh, I don't go to trailheads. I very rarely go to trailheads. I very rarely rarely go to old logging roads or or, or cat roads and 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 do that. I I park in some random spot. People probably driving by think that I broke down on this dirt road. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean. And and I yeah. lock my truck and I head into the woods and I, and I get elk responses everywhere. And and like you said, uh, the, the elk the elk from last year, old Broken Tines here, was 0.74 miles off the road. It, it, it's not like I had to go six miles back or 10 miles back. There's just I'm a lot of I'm not able to tell you how many times, because one of my favorite things to do is when I put an elk down uh, is that I will go and get my ATV and I will try to find access. And, I'll, and, and I've got my, my elk marked on my GPS, right? Mm -hmm. And so all I'm trying to do is now I'm trying to drive and, and see how close I can get for the pack out. And, and I am not able to tell you how many times it's been like 0 0.33, 0 0.48, yeah. 0.56, you know, from an actual access of some kind. So, uh, you know, people think that these animals, they are extremely intelligent. They're extremely smart. They're going to be areas where people drive right by them. All it takes is 400 yards of a ridge and you'll never hear them sometimes in the thick trees. You, mm -hmm. you won't see them. You know, so it, I, I think we spend so much time going by elk, um, looking for elk. And I don't have the option. So in New Mexico, it's not like Colorado. In Colorado, when you're giving uh, an OTC tag, you can hunt any of the OTC units. So if I don't find anything here, I can drive 20 miles and try this other location, right? Well, we're giving a hunt unit. So... Um, I kind of consider it just like, again, when I coach in a very small school. So I always have to deal with the athletes that I get. I don't have people moving in and out all the time. Yeah. So when I hunt in a unit, it's the same concept. I got to deal with the, the girl that came to the dance with me, man. I got to hunt the elk in that area. Yeah. I don't get to leave. So 
I have to find other ways other than just screaming and and to to locate and to hunt these elk. And what I tell people is a lot of times they end up just going by these areas and instead of really using their senses, paying attention, finding the food source and finding how these elk move through there. We are locked in. So we have to find a way to hunt these animals. And sure, if if, if we have a bull that's screaming, that's, that wants to play challenge game, well, mm-hmm. that's an easy, right? But how many of those animals are doing that? And so many people go buy elk looking for elk. Yeah, and and I they're agree. generally looking for them all in the same place. You know, last I uh, last season, I had I I don't know if he was a five or a six point bull, run right across mm-hmm. the road right before dawn, right uh, as I'm driving to my hunting spot, right across the road. Uh, a couple of days later, I'm driving I'm driving down this road. Now I'm not saying this is not a uh, promotion to road hunt. Okay, that that is not sure. what I'm saying right. at all. What I am saying right. is, as I'm driving to my elk spots, three different scenarios where I saw bull elk from the road. So that tells me, and and I imagine this is going to be very regional specific, I think in a, in a lot of ways, because there's different nuances. Like, like for you in New Mexico, I imagine if you're right. six to 10 miles in the back country, the climate mm-hmm. does not lend itself to hanging meat and, and making six pack trips out over two, two days. You know what I mean? At like where I'm at, right. Right. I could find a nice cool Creek and hang that meat and it's good for a couple of days. Uh, you, you know, I could take my right. time. I, I imagine in New Mexico, uh, in September, you're probably in what, in the eighties? No, well, it depends. Your nights, it, again, it depends. I mean, and that's the thing about New Mexico is, you know, you can go from 7,500 up to 9,500 and have totally different temperatures up there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but, but again, you're right though, during the daytime, you can have those 80 degree temperatures and then at night it can drop down to 36. You just get those extremes like that. Right. So you, you get a lot of disparity between day and night temperature wise. Yes. Yes. Because I, I, I've, yes, lived absolutely. In, uh, I've lived in areas in, in like Utah where there's just not a lot of disparity. If it's 95 degrees in the day, it's like 89 at night. It's crazy. <laughs> it just that, yeah, that no. sucks into those rocks and stays there. Um, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, we do get too. that, yeah. man. You, uh, yeah. I, 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 I was coming through New Mexico one time. It's February or, or maybe early March. Mm-hmm. And I'd stopped at this truck stop. They were giving away, and I'm on I-40. And they were giving away uh, free coffee. Actually, it wasn't a truck stop. It was a, one of those rest stop areas, right? Yeah, okay. Nice, hot coffee, right? No lid on it. Right. They just one of those styrofoam cups. I go walking back out to my truck. It was so dang cold that by the time I got to my <laughs> truck, the coffee was cold. And I'm not kidding you. It was cold coffee in, in a five minute walk. It was like the, it was that year that there was all those, those, uh, that crazy ice storm down throughout the South yeah. and, and through the panhandle of Texas. You remember that? Uh, what, that had to be oh, like, yeah. 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. I, I can't remember. It was actually, a- that actually it was right around 2007. Uh, my daughter was going to school in in uh, Canyon, Texas. I had to drive home in that. Uh, usually, a four hour trip took me eight hours, just because it just everything was iced over. Man, it yeah, was crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, that and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that ice storm, but it was something like that. It was uh, some crazy weather event, and uh, right. 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, I just I, I say that to to kind of highlight that it, New Mexico and Arizona it does not mean Sonoma Desert, you know, 110 degrees year round. Oh no, uh, you know what no, I mean. Especially, but, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Especially northern New Mexico, but you can have those years and 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 have those times when those days are just. I mean, that sun is just beating. Yeah. And and then we get those afternoon you know, thunderstorms that come through, you can put your clock by it, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock, you're going to come, they're going to pour on you, they're going to get done. And then everything's cooled off a little bit. We had one year when it was just an eternal thunderstorm. I mean, for like five days, we just got poured on, man. It was unbelievable. So what did that do to the elk when that happened? You know, it, 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 it didn't, it actually helped us, man. It just cooled things off. They got really, really active. Um, it, it didn't, uh, send them down in holes or anything like that. I, I think our animals, again, elk adapt to their situation, whether they're in Idaho, whether they're in Estes Park, right? Yeah, they adapt yep, to yep. the situation and they're just used to those thunderstorms coming over. They hunker down, we hunker down, it goes by and things are cooled off and they just get after it again. So, uh, I, I have found that, you know, when I hunt elk, I actually, and I just, I, I was laughing about this. I was um, responding to uh, Instagram that uh, the guy uh, does from Western Contours. And and he, he was, took a picture of himself resting. And I truly believe, like, when I'm out there, I'm, I kind of Forrest Gump it, man. If when I'm tired, I sleep. When I'm hungry, I eat, you know. And yep. when I got to do, you know, I do, you know. But uh, the rest of the time, other time I'm hunting. And I always try to pattern myself with the elk when the elk are most active i want to be most active when they're not i don't want to be i'll take a nap out in the woods when they're taking a nap out there i'll sit down when i'm hungry and i'm and and i'll eat because i you got to take care of yourself when you're out there because it really helps you to stay in the game it still helps you to keep grinding and Mm -hmm. to keep working that if i think a lot of guys try to get a little bit too gung-ho that you know i'm not going to eat drink i'm just going to put on mile after mile after mile and by day three, man, it's, it's just really wearing on them. So, you know, uh, I'm really big on, on when I hunt elk, I try to take on an elk atmosphere and, and everything I do, whether I'm calling them, whether I'm, you know, following them, whether I'm, you know, I find they're, they're, uh, here's a nugget for a lot of people. When, when you are hunting out there and you're hunting elk and you're trying to locate elk and you come across those, um, trails, those elk trails that are moving, you know, laterally across those hills, Move with them, man. Move with them. You know, follow those trails. Find out where they're moving, how they move, the types of areas, what that is taking you from one spot to another. And you could real easily find a corridor that's taking you from bedding to feed or something like that. You know, it's it's just taking on that whole elkish atmosphere when you're out there hunting. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. I want to kind of get back to... uh, talking about locating elk and that's kind of along those lines we were talking about how far you need to be or not need to be Mm -hmm. uh those kind of things and and i i also we should clarify um you know it's not we're not saying you're not going to be successful by going further from the road right i mean it's not like you could find some big old bulls six to ten miles back into the back absolutely and if you're camped back there it's an experience you'll never forget. And so Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not, we're not saying that at all. Uh, what, what we're saying is you don't have to necessarily do that. 
Um, no, and, and, and what I'm up. doing is giving a different perspective because a yeah. lot of people do do that, right? And so this is that perspective. I, I'm a base camp type of guy that likes to use transportation of some kind. And, and for me, it's generally an ATV to get to another area if I'm not walking out of camp. If I, if I can, and, and we're doing groups, we have guys that will go out early, like two hours before daylight. Then we have guys that walk out of camp. So we try to, to hit near to far in different areas. So that transportation becomes just a mode for me to get to an area. And then I am back on foot again uh, when I'm hunting. So um, when you talk about locating elk, one of the things that we do, especially if we are group hunting, now if you're solo, um, it's a little bit different, but if we're group hunting, we like to do just what I said. We'll send to different areas and we'll have guys that walk out. And we are basically um, your hunt scouting at the same time. I mean, you should always be paying attention to what you're doing, paying attention to sure. your nose, your eyes sure. and stuff and track this going on. And our, our goal is to, is to cut elk, man. It, just like you're trying to cut track on a cat, you know, you're paying attention to those areas that are going to show you sign if it, if it's mud in a, in a, in a, in a trail, if it's, if it's mud in a road, if it's around a pond area, um, mm -hmm. if you're able to find, uh, trails going through trees, especially what happens is from grassy areas to once they get into that dark timber, those trails really get evident once it starts getting in that dark timber because that of the dirt that's in there. So you're looking for that fresh stuff. We're, we're trying to find beds where we can find fresh urine where they're bedding down in areas. Or, or we're trying to find beds from where they've been that night bedding down in a feeding area down there. So once we start locating that, locating those animals, we start putting together where that feed area is where that bed area is. And that gives us a whole movement route of these guys. And once you have that peg, Jim, man, you're in high cotton because now you don't have to depend on them being at the feed. You don't have to depend on them being at the bed, but the cool thing is, you know, where the bed is. So that's yeah, where yeah. they're going to be for six or seven hours. Right. So you can work that, but you can work that corridor in between. Forget about waiting for animals to get to a park or to get to that feed down there. Find that corridor between them, and you're going to have a whole lot more time and a whole lot more opportunity, and you're going to have better setups because you're going to have, you know, it's going to be tighter in those corridors. So that's, I don't know if that's along the lines of what you're looking for. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. I just, I just like to throw random stuff out there and, and listen to, to how people respond because I always get nuggets out of that. Like I have no yeah. idea what direction you're going to take it. And I love it because uh, you yeah. just talked about something that would be, it, it got me thinking of this one particular area that I, I'm always so focused on getting to that bedding area, but the corridor is so active. Uh, I'll bet you. Absolutely. Anyway, I just, I just gave me an idea. I'm going to try it. I can't wait for and, September. <laughs> and and I, I think most people that's, you know, so that's like, I'm always out there two hours. I'm trying to always locate probably about two hours before daylight, an hour at the minimum. And, you know, people have asked me, Joe, when do you start calling? But dude, once I, like, if I go to an area on the bike, then I park the bike and I, I just sit down for a while. I just like to let things calm down. And then after that, man, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm cow calling as I'm moving and I'm sounding like a group of, of cows. I am cow call oriented where a lot of people are bull call oriented. Not this boy. I'm, I'm cow call. I'm a lover before I'm a fighter. I like to introduce a cow because it helps me if I need to introduce a scenario of a bull coming into that cow mm -hmm. because 
so let me stick with the locating and then I'll explain that what I just talked about a little bit more. But I'm doing that. I am moving. I am cow calling. I am walking crosswind. And the reason I like to walk, if possible, I like to walk crosswind. It doesn't always, it's not always conducive. But when I go crosswind, that lets me smell. And usually I like to walk crosswind so that uh, generally early in the morning that those thermals are falling. So I'm able to be below those corridors where animals might be working into a destination or they might be in a feed area. And by going crosswind, I can see ahead of me. I can see things ahead of me and I get to smell everything to my side and I can still see down to my other side before my wind gets there. So by doing that, I've actually in I've opened up two of my senses. By me walking crosswind, I can walk and I can look at everything in front of me. I'm looking with my eyes. I'm looking for the motion. I'm looking for the movement. I'm listening mm-hmm. with my ears so that I can hear any rocks or I'm cow calling and I'm listening for that mew. And understand something too. A cow call is a location call. Bulls respond to a cow call. So it becomes a location call for me as well. Uh, I do use bugles. I'll talk about it in a second. But by me doing this, by me cow calling and moving forward, because I really like that pre-rut, rut staging phase. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of animals that move in silently. So I'm really watching. But now I've got my eyes. But as soon as something, I catch that scent off to the side, boom, now I'm locked in because I know I have animals either that have fresh urine there or I'm actually smelling the animal, right? Mm -hmm. So by doing this, I've actually opened up my phase of being able to locate uh, the different animals. So that's kind of how I like to approach it. Okay. Can can we just back up just a little bit there? One thing that you said. Mm -hmm. You talked about um, your cow calling, and you like to kind of sound like a, a, a herd of cows, right? Is so right. as as you're as you're doing your side healing in, so that you're kind of at this crosswind. Are you using mm-hmm. multiple different cow calls uh, to and and just kind of and what I mean is actual physical calls, different not not sounds. You're you're use one a, a read here. Uh, oh a no, no, no you know no, there no no no. I with with a single with a with a read in my mouth. I can, and I always call near to far when I'm doing things. So I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I throw one through a tube out this way into the different sides. And so I just do it and how I do the timing, the repetition and where I throw them. Okay. So you're and, just trying to, you're just trying to paint the picture that you got a few cows side yep. or, you know, they're moving across They're They're moving across yep, the countryside. Yep. Okay. okay. Absolutely. Cool. And, and what's nice is if you, if you use a grunt tube, um, with a cow call, it gives a little bit deeper resonance. And early season, the, a lot of bulls will think that that's a bull mew as well. So whether mm. it's a cow call or a bull mew, they will respond. They will come into that. They'll come in silent to that a lot of times early. But yeah, that's I like to sound. And it. I don't worry about making noise. It, it just sells the whole thing. If I'm walking and rocks are rolling, I step on a stick and I'm cow calling, it sells the whole thing as I'm moving. Yeah. So yeah. I that, think that's, that's a great point to, to clarify right there. You're not deer hunting guys. Don't worry about no. stepping on branches and rolling rocks and, and making a little bit of noise. Uh, as long as they're authentic, natural sounds, not, you know, don't, uh, have your, your, uh, if you're in cell service, you don't want your phone going off with a text message. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, no, no, that's absolutely not. That's great. I, I I'm really intrigued with the whole. I'm moving. I'm a few cow. I'm a few cows moving through the sticks, uh, because I've I've done right. it before, and I've I've gotten elk to uh, essentially. I've actually had an elk bugle 
from, you know, it was, it was two or 300 yards, but I'm just, but I, yeah, I, that's absolutely. what I was doing. I had, I had a reed in my mouth. I had an external cow call and mm -hmm. I had this weird, what are those called? Where is that one? The, the, it's like the wood cow call. Uh, shoot. I'm totally drawing a blank on what it's called. Anyway, it sounds pretty good. It sounds like a calf. Um, and, uh, uh -huh. so I'm, I'm using those. And, and it had an, an, an elk bugle. So I, I, I see you're getting your diaphragm in your mouth. Let's, let's uh, kind of hear what that sounds like. So uh, a lot of times, too, if I'm going, I will introduce just with a single cow. Like if I move into an area and I come to, you know, um, a, a rise, it's going to give me a new area to call into. Uh -huh. I just, I'm just going to give one out there. Uh -huh. And I'm calling near to far. So by throwing some through the tube a little farther, doing it closer, you give that illusion of one cow being a little further, one being back, right? Mm -hmm. But I start with just one. I just reach out with one just with my mouth because I always call near to far. There could be a bull close up to me. And and here's what I think one of the biggest mistakes guys do. I don't know if you notice that my grunt tube is a flexible. I don't use a bat. I A lot of times when I hunt solo, um, the, the problem that I think a lot of guys do is they always call towards an animal. Mm -hmm. So they they take that and they do a bugle, they do a cow call towards an animal. And as soon as they do that, if there is a, a bull that's located close within 100 yards, and I've just done a cow call right at him, well, now he thinks he has a cow that's closer than what that cow is. So what is that going to do for the whole picture for you? It's going to make him You're wonder where, that, where that cow is. Yeah, yeah. 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 But he thinks that cow's closer to him. Right. So mm -hmm. he bugles and he's saying, well, here I am, girl. I'm right here. Come on in. Right. Yeah. So now you've already painted the picture that you're close. So now that's a real tough one to get out of right now because he wants you to come to him and you've got to get him to come to you. So the only thing that you can do now is actually change up your scenario in a way that you can change that picture so that cow maybe is going to something else. So maybe I do introduce a bull, but I'm not going to go and scream a bugle. Maybe I'm going to start with a little chuckle in the back, or I'm going to start with some pants or some grunts, something like that that's low key that he knows he can hear and he knows the cow can hear. Now, if that cow starts going away, now he's going to have to move in. So gotcha, gotcha. the cow, by, by always starting with a cow, it helps you set up whatever scenario you want to do. Like you said, when you said you gave that cow call and that bull bugle 300 yards away, right? Mm -hmm. Every cow call you should have done from that point on should have been behind you to make him think that that cow is either moving away or further away than what that cow is. All right. Is that, and, is that going to be the same if, uh, it, let's say you got a couple guys hunting with a partner, one's caller, one shooter, um, that the, the caller's still kind of throwing them behind him, even if the shooter's, you know, 50 yards in front of him? So that, that scenario, uh, having a partner helps a ton because now I'm pointing, I'm, I'm pointing right up to where I want them to get. They're going to fly up 50 yards. Now I can do things just with the mouth and I can, instead of that bull hanging up 80 yards from me as a solo shooter, it's only gonna be 30 yards from my shooter. Right. Mm -hmm. So that does change things. But what I like about throwing it behind me is that 
by throwing it behind me, I'm, I have better ability to steer that, that bull. So if I see that bull coming and I know where my shooter is and that bull starts to go off to the left, all I have to do is aim off to my right-hand side opposite of that bull and throw one back kind and I can him. steer that bull right by my shooter. Gotcha. So it's still beneficial to throw behind you because now that animal has to look for that cow and and he doesn't think that that cow is, that cow is closer than what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so in a, in a scenario where let's say you're hunting solo and uh-huh. absolutely kind of the same thing, right? You're cause that's what I've done. I've, I've, I'll, I'll throw right. my bugle tube behind me and, mm-hmm. and, and let a, either a bugle or a cow call. I, cause I, I, I use both. I don't, I know you, you were talking about a lot of hunters. They get hung up on doing one or the other cow calls or bugles. I don't, man. I, right. I like using both. And, and, and I let right. the elk tell me what to do. Some elk, they're, they're going to tell you. They're going to respond to a cow call. And you could tell just by mm-hmm. the bugle, the emotion and the sound, they want to mingle with a cow. And then you could tell with other responses, they're a pissed off, fired up bull, and they want to fight. And so it, right. I just let the elk tell me what to do. Uh, yeah. You're the expert with this. Um, when when uh-huh. you're solo and... Mm-hmm. I'm throwing bugles. I, I'm, I'm actually, I kind of lost my train of thought there. I got, I got off track. <laughs> so you're solo. You said so you, had, you had that scenario where you have a cow, you do the yeah. cow call and the bull answers to you, right? Exactly. Exactly. Right? And oh, oh so, go ahead. yeah, so that bull's 300 yards away right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if that bull's 300 yards away, the first thing I'm doing is I've shut up and I'm closing the distance. I always, my first reaction, unless that guy is right on top of me, is I'm closing the distance. And I'm going to close the distance for two reasons. And I'm not going to stop listening with my ears and paying attention with my eyes because that bull, once he has sounded off, could actually be moving in. But he's at 300 yards, so I'm closing in. I'm going. Hopefully, he sounds off again. If he sounds off again, he's telling me where he's at. If he's not, and I'm starting to think that I'm getting within that bubble, then I'm going to go. We talk about this all the time. We talk about hurry up and slow down. Well, there's a point where I'm hurrying up to cut the distance, and there's a point where I feel it that, hey, I might be starting to get in the bubble here. I need to slow down. So I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to start listening, and I'm paying attention. Do I hear any cow calls? Do I hear anything that gives me any more information about that bull? If I don't hear anything, then he reacted the first time to a cow call. So that is what I'm going to give him first of all. I I always, again, my philosophy is always be a lover before you're a fighter. All right. Catch more flies with sugar than you do with vinegar. Right. So uh, I'm going to go ahead again now and I'm going to do a real light cow call back behind me. Just a single. That's all I'm going to do and see if I get a reaction. Okay. Okay. If I don't get a reaction. You still have to be patient because when he hears that, depending on the time of the year and the mode of these animals and what's going on, because there's a lot of things that variables that come in here, I still have to be patient because when he heard me do that cow call and he did hear me, I guarantee you he heard me, man. If he heard me from 300 yards and I've moved in now and I threw a little light cow call, he's heard it. But Can sometimes what they idea? do is... Can you give us an idea when you mm-hmm. say you're closing the distance, how much distance are you? You heard him at, he, you, you guessed him at eight or I'm sorry, 300 yards, 300 how, yards. How right. much distance are you talking about before you're in quote unquote the, their bubble? So I figure anywhere between 
And and it, this kind of, okay, it's a good question because sometimes an animal, if they're moving towards me and I can tell they're moving 200 yards and I'm good, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. But if, if I'm trying to get in that animal's bubble, I'm trying to get that 150, maybe 100 range, depending on the terrain and the cover, because some areas are not, uh, don't help you with that. If it's very, very open, you got to be real careful about that. If it's a real thick area, it's way more conducive to getting into that hundred and still being noisy and throwing a cow call because, again, it just sells the whole scenario for you. If I'm coming in and that bull hears noise and I throw a cow call back, but he still can't see me because of the thickness, uh-huh. man, I, I'm starting. That's a great situation because he has come in and he has to come into my comfort zone and my shooting range in order to see where that cow's at. Gotcha. I, I tell people that open area is great for seeing elk. It's not great for killing elk. The yeah, thicker, I, the better. I don't. I, I see. That's one of, one of the reasons why I'd be reluctant to come down to New Mexico is, is I feel like there's a lot more open area than what I'm used to. Uh, and, and so uh-huh. I don't know, like mm-hmm. I grew up hunting mule deer that way. And so it's not like I'm, I'm foreign to it, but, uh, for, for calling in elk, I don't know how guys do that when it's super open like that. Well, uh, there, there's a couple of things you can do. You can use a terrain, you can use a dips and rises. So that animal has to top out or has to come up, you mm-hmm. know, to see you. So you can use those in, in those kind of areas. Decoy is another hot topic to talk about that uh, can really change things for you. But, uh, or you do it so that that animal's on a different level and has to come up to your level. If you look on our base camp, there's one where I talk about using the terrain and I'm in a very open area and this bull actually comes from a lower area and he has to come up in order and he walks by me at 20 yards because he's looking for me because I've thrown those calls back behind me and he's trying to determine and trying to locate and he's not able to see from that level down. And people have said that bulls hmm. don't like to go uphill. Hmm. Uh, I tell you what, man, you paint they the right do. scenario. They're going to go uphill, downhill, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, I yeah, don't I don't definitely. subscribe to that theory at all. That uh, I, I understand that if you're, if you're bugling with a bull that wants to fight and, and you're in that challenging bugle mode, uh, the, right. the, the elk, the, the, the bull will feel a little bit at a disadvantage if it's real steep terrain to come from below but it's so easy to maneuver right. onto the side hill and get on the same level with that bull. It should be a non-issue. But like you were saying, you're a lover before a fighter. And if you're, if you're cow calling that bull in, they don't, they don't give a damn if they're going up or down. Uh, they'll, they'll, yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't worry about it. Yeah, I, absolutely. I guess is what I should say. And yeah. You, and you go back to that scenario where you had, I've moved in on that animal, 150, 100 yards. Right. And I throw out a cow call and he does not respond my first thing to do is right now I'm still shutting up, right? I've thrown up that cow call there and I'm looking because at that point, that guy could just be walking in. He could have just been waiting to heard that cow. And then once he hears it, and if you watch enough elk, you'll see stuff like this. And now he's just walking in that direction. So that's where you really have to pay attention. Now, if some time goes by a couple minutes and I haven't gotten anything there, I'm going to cow call again. And I'm going to start introducing a situation as to why that cow's not going to him. And I'm going to introduce a bull. And I'm going to introduce it in another fashion. I'm not going to go all crazy or anything like that. I'm just going to start introducing some bull noises that are going to show that maybe there's a bull there tending that cow. It could be glunking. It could be some some uh, 
some panting. And then uh, uh, those are the types of things that I want to work with that and start maybe throwing a couple other cow calls. I'm going to actually grow the situation of that single cow that has when that cow has been located right there and now go to an actual group that's moving in, maybe some cows with a bull that's tending them. So now I'm introducing a scenario that I can play up and try to get that bull that's in that area because now we're kind of in a cold calling situation if he's not responding, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try to get that so that he thinks now that there's a bull there that has a hot cow and that's going to change the whole scenario. So when you're talking about these kind of strategies, does does it vary greatly from like early September to mid September to uh, end of September for for you and your mind? Does it do the strategies change? Do your cold call or I'm sorry, calling um, tactics change throughout the season as we're talking like early rut versus you know peak? Doesn't really change. No, not really because one of the things that you know uh, it's it's always the same thing. Whenever you're doing a call out there, you're trying to do, you're trying to do, I, I've simplified it. You're trying to locate, participate, irritate, exclude, or challenge. That's what you do with your calls, right? We're all, everybody knows what the locating is. The participating thing is just when you're trying to get people that want, you know, uh, an elk or, or a cow that has that herd mentality that you just wants to be with you just because they have that herd mentality. Yeah. Irritate is, is that something, you know, that if, if I have a bull with, with cows and I just want to irritate that bull. Um, I can do things by trying to bring, talk to his cows, not him, but talk to his cows. The big one that I do, Jim, is excluding. And I think this is the one thing that a lot of people don't do. Everybody knows the challenge. I use that for last because the challenge only comes into play when an elk has already escalated to that point. And that bull will let me know when he's escalated. When that happens, man, it's over. Once I've got a bull that's escalated and is, and, and is screaming displays and is screaming at me and I cut him off, it's over. That That's <laughs> the prime situation, yeah, right? Yeah, fun. But, that I do that that I think is overlooked that a lot of people don't do is excluding. In other words, so many times when we have an elk that bugles, we want to bugle at that at that elk. We mm-hmm. want to engage that elk, right? And what I try to do a lot of times is uh, is I try to exclude that animal. Yeah, he's my target bull, but I'm not going to engage him. I start doing the cow calling and I start sounding like a bull with a cow. Either it's tending at this point in time. If I start including other bugles, then it's a hot cow. Or if I start doing sounds that signify I have a hot cow. So what I'm doing is basically creating my little scenario here that he can hear. And I am not challenging him. I'm not engaging him. I am totally, I'm putting the hand up, you know, stay away. We're all good here. And by doing that, by me creating that atmosphere and not challenging him, not engaging him, he wants to come and get involved in that. He wants to come check it out. So like communicating, but not communicating to him. Is that, is that kind of right. the general? And so Absolutely. When, when you're, when you're doing that, are you, are you creating, like I had, uh, I had Michael Batiste on with the, the Elk Calling Academy and he was talking about this, this breeding sequence where he's not communicating to us. I'm sorry, I lost you just for a second there, Jim. Oh, did you lose me? I'm sorry. Can you hear me okay now? Oh, Yeah, I have you now, man. Yeah, my okay. internet is saying it's unstable. Okay. 
So I had I had Michael Batiste on, and and he was talking about uh, doing what is what is called a breeding sequence, where he's not communicating with the bull, but he's he's painting a picture. There's a hot cow. There's a bull. They're getting excited. They're right. talking to each other, communicating with each other. Is that kind of similar to what you're talking about? Or, or are you saying maybe not even uh, using something where it's a breeding sequence? It's just, it's just you're communicating with a group of cows um, and ignoring the other elk. Yeah. So it, it's a, I, think I think when you talk about elk and when you talk about scenarios, it's all pretty much the same thing um, because at, the, the elk act in the same way. But yeah, what what I'm talking about is is I'm either going to do just a, a bull that is tending a cow or tending cows, and maybe that develops into a hot cow situation. Uh, and what I like to do is paint. I, ca- I call it kind of a rut fest where I'll have uh, I'll sound off like bulls out on the side. Either one coming from the wi- right, one coming from the left, and that a bull that is tending that is that is has it, maybe I guess you'd call that a breeding sequence of some kind. And are you still there, bud? Yeah, I'm still here. I, I did turn video off temporarily. Yeah, I, I did too. Okay, and then we can, we can yeah. turn it back on here in just a minute. Yeah, I, I turned it off just to make sure we didn't lose our audio. So yeah, I, what, what I want to do is I am creating my own party, my own scenario, my own situation. I'm painting a picture of uh, elk converging, um, maybe satellites that are converging on a bull that has cows, um, most likely a hot cow there, especially if everything is bugling out there. So if, if I start, you know, them kind of doing their little thing on each side coming in, and then I'm doing a, a sequence on the inside, maybe I throw some displays out, out there, then I'm painting that picture of a totally different group of elk than that bull that I'm targeting out there. So I am just not engaging directly at him. I'm engaging those other two bulls out to the side, or I'm engaging my cow here, displaying for my cow, and I'm doing glunks, I'm doing grunts, I'm doing pants. And by doing that, that my target bull is going to want to join that and is going to come into that. It's so, when, so super effective. So when he does want to come into that, because I, I really like this topic, when he does want to come in, is he coming in letting you know that he's coming or is he coming in silent or is it kind of just a mix? So it's a mix. Um, the, the bull we killed. So last year, Gilbert's bull, we, I brought in from over a half mile away doing this sequence. We actually got eyes on him at one point, lost him at another point. We got eyes on him again, came uphill to where we were and we're nice. 30 yards in the trees. He comes to a little clearing and he comes in bugling because it was that same situation. He could not see what was going on till he topped out. The topography kept him from doing that. So he tops out and now he's looking and he's looking for where everything's at. Right. Mm-hmm. And, all we had to do at that point is shut up because it's just like the herd moved on over the ridge. So he's going to either make a choice. Now, he has stopped in front of us at 30 yards. He's in the red zone now, but he's, he's, he's looking at us face on. And I mean, dude, he came straight up the hill. He bugled multiple times, but then he stood there for, God, it seemed like forever, but it was probably eight minutes. And in that time... He's just looking the whole time. He never said another thing when he did that, okay? And at that point, when he's head on to Gilbert, I know it's over because 
all I have to do now is when that bull decides that he's going to turn one way or the other, I'm just going to freeze him, man. And I'm going to throw a bugle out. Gilbert's going to draw him. We're going to finish the deal. And it's exactly how that went. It was, uh, it was awesome. That, that is awesome. That's totally, I'm going to try that. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, yeah, this oh, is, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so cool because it's so cool because you get to actually, you get to, it's like putting on a play and you put on a play and you paint a picture. And I, there's so many times, how many times have you ever been the hunter on the other side of the fence, listening to a rut fest going on 300 yards away and you can't go there because it's either in another hunting area or it's in private or something like that. And you're stuck listening to it. You want to be there. Well, yeah. all I do is I'm like, well, screw that. I'm just going to turn the tables on them. I'm going to come way over in here and I'm going to be that rut fest. And I'm telling you, there's going to be satellites that are going to pull off of that and that are going to come into you. And to your point, I, I would recommend the listeners, if you are ever in a situation where you can, you can see a rut fest going on or listen to a rut fest, but you can't access it, mm-hmm experience that, watch it, listen to it. And, and you'll, you'll learn so much uh, about what the elk are doing and what they want and how they communicate with each other uh, by, by listening to something like that in, in real time. Uh, it's amazing to watch. Uh, so anyways, yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a great point to, to bring up your, your kind of creating this. Um, well, and, and, and there's, there's a common theme with this, with a lot of the guests, uh, on, on that I've, that we've had discussions with about this, but you, the idea is it all boils down to you're, you're just painting a picture mm-hmm. and, and you're, you're creating, you're creating an authentic image in that, that bull elk's mind that he's going to want to investigate. He's going to, he's going to want to come and check it out. And so I, I love it. And I think it's super effective. Well, the whole thing, whenever there's a hot cow. And one bull starts his breeding of the hot cow and he starts and, and there's happens to be a satellite and that satellite starts displaying, that bull starts displaying, all of this starts happening. Well, uh-huh. to any bull within a half mile of there that hears this going on, it is those sounds, it is it is what's happening that, you know, sends the picture and sends the message to them that, hey, I got to get over there. So... There's And a lot of people think that the rut is just like a regional thing, but ruts happen in a drainage here, or over this ridge here, wherever a hot cow comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is paint the picture that that has happened. I mean, uh, one of my favorite scenarios is to sound like a bull going to a destination. So coming out of a park and I'll just start screaming, just advertising as I'm moving, throwing out cow calls. And I've had bulls that have come in from the sides on me because they... I'm advertising, man. They know that I have cows with me and they come into that. So it's all about you painting a picture and putting it in those animals' mind and they will react to it. I love it. I love it. And so, Joe, I want to go back to something we were talking about uh, kind of as we're, as we're wrapping this up here. Sure. Before, before we were actually recording. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I well... I think I know the order of which I'm, I'm releasing this, but I don't, I don't know about you. So uh, <laughs> last week I released an episode where we announced we were, we're doing uh, some, some uh, giveaways for youth hunters. Right. And, and those giveaways are essentially sponsorships uh, to, to different resources for youth hunters to learn how to hunt elk. And, and you have, uh, told me that, that you want to uh, have the blue collar elk Academy kind of involved with that and absolutely man 
and if it if it has so cool. if it has anything to do with our youth, um, getting them involved with hunting, teaching them the right way, showing them the right uh, perspectives, being mentors to them, I'm all in. So what what this is is uh, essentially we have I'm going to have it's a it's a contest. And youth hunters are, for this contest, uh, I know that, that this is going to vary from state to state and what whatnot, but just, just to, for the sake of simplicity in this contest, the ages are 10 to 17 years old, and uh, they, they are to write an essay. There's no, you know, I'm not like you. I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, teacher, so you'd probably have better param- or more strict parameters than I do because there's no <laughs> length and, and, uh, and all that. It's more about the message. They need to write an essay about what kind of hunter they want to be and what kind of example they want to set for the generations behind them. This is something that I don't think hunters talk about enough. Hunters that are brand new to the hunting community, they're, they're 10, 11, 12 years old. What they don't realize is now is the time to develop them as leaders because they have a generation behind them coming up. And, yeah. and so nobody talked about that when I was that age. And, and so I, I want them to start thinking about what kind of leader they want to be for other hunters. And, and this is, that's essentially the essence of the essay. And so uh, it, it, when they write this essay, they're going to they're gonna send it in to me. And, and now I can add another prize so we can have three prizes uh, where they get, they get access. One, one person is going to win access to the Blue Collar Elk uh, Calling Academy, or I'm sorry, Blue Collar yeah. Elk Academy. I, <laughs> I too many words. That's, here that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, our base camp, our training camp on our Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The base camp, and and this is uh, just just so if if you guys are not, you know, uh, up to par with this, this thing has so much content and so much information, and I I'm just amazed that you put all this together, and and you actually only you don't charge that much. Like there's an introductory price of what fifty bucks or something. Fifty dollars, yes, sir. I mean, yeah. the information that they get in this uh, is for what you, the seminars you would have to go to get this information, or 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 the yeah. It. I, I'm just uh, I'm excited that it's getting out there, um, and I'm glad we can introduce it at this price. Uh, that will change at some point, but uh, this mm-hmm. this is I want it out there. I want people to be part of this. I love it. I love it. And so, if you are a youth hunter and you're listening to this. Or if you have a youth hunter, you know, in your uh, in your family, uh, you know, one of your kids, or you got nieces and nephews, and um, whatever the case is, there, and and you want to get them involved and and maybe get access to the Blue Collar Elk Academy, the the base camp. Go ahead and submit that essay, and and I'm going to have more de- details in the intro, obviously, but uh, go ahead and submit that essay, and and send it in to me, Jim at the Western Huntsman.com, because the due date for that is September 1st. And I'm really looking forward to reading all these. And the winners, I'm going to read. I'm going to read the winners' essays on the podcast. And so, um, looking forward to that. And I appreciate you, Joe, uh, for stepping up with that and and offering this up to to the listeners because I, I think it's going to go a long ways towards. Um, I, I mean, can you imagine? Let's say we've got a 12 year old kid that is he just finished hunter safety and he's going out elk hunting, uh, mm-hmm. and, and he goes through your course. Right. right, he goes through the Blue Collar Elk Academy. The amount of knowledge from your thirty-five plus years of elk hunting that right. he's going to be able to soak up, 
it, he's going to be so much further. And I keep saying he, he or she, this, you could boy or girl is obviously for, for this uh, contest, uh, send yep. me those essays. So I apologize. Um, they're just going to be miles ahead of the pack. And so th- this is a big deal. I really appreciate you doing that. Well, I mean, that's the whole reason this was done is that, you know, by mentoring people, by trying to help people and show them the right ways um, to talk about ethics, responsibilities, how we present ourselves, our personas as hunters here, um, by putting that in positive light, by making it positive mentorship, it's going to speak volumes. It's going to ripple throughout. And, you know, when you talk about a 12-year-old, you know, today's 12-year-old is tomorrow's congressman and is tomorrow's parent and you know they they are the people they are our future and if this heritage and this tradition is to continue to to live on and be free for all of us then uh this is critical that we continue to mentor our our young people and get them involved absolutely so critical I, i i appreciate you saying that stuff it's it's so important um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, those of us that are getting a little bit long in the tooth need to, need to start, uh, you know, just kind of stepping up and, and highlighting the importance of youth hunters and getting them involved in, and keep in mind that there's a lot of youth that want to be hunters and they don't have a mentor, uh, wh- whatever their circumstances are, um, there, there's things out there to, to where we could become your mentor without physically taking you out or, uh, you know, physically being there on the mountain with you. And, and that's what I want to become for, for anybody that's, that's young and, and wanting to get involved in hunting. And, and uh, this, this is a great way to do it. So, um, Joe, this has been a fun that's conversation, super, man. Super, Jim. It's going to be a fun conversation. Oh, thanks, man. This has been, this has been fun. Um, I'm really excited to get this one out there. And I, I appreciate you coming on more than you know. Absolutely. It was my pleasure, Jim. I've totally enjoyed what you've done, man. So uh, thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.